Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you. Precious Father, we need you. You are the lamb who was slaughtered to take away the sins of the world. Father, we turn our attention now to your word. And we ask God, in spite of a a foolish and sinful servant, that, Lord, you would speak. That, God, your words would go forward and mine would be cut off. Lord, that you would teach us from your word. That you would, Lord, preach to us this morning. That you would convict us. That you would challenge us. That you would comfort us. Lord, we, we need to hear from you. Help us, Father, to direct our hearts, our minds, our very souls to you now as we read, as your word is proclaimed. We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to you, our Father in heaven. Amen. Amen. We are continuing our sermon series in Exodus. And so, as we will pick up this morning, right from where we left off, and this morning, the deed takes place that we talked about last Sunday. Last Sunday, God gave all of the instructions, explicit as they were, repeated as they were, of what to do about Passover, how to take Passover. And so, He warned the people of Israel There was coming a night when a destroyer, an angel of death, would pass by. And all of the firstborn in a household that did not have the blood painted on the doorposts, that the firstborn in that household would perish. And so they have explicit instructions of how to go and get this lamb, how to keep it for four days, and then slaughter it, how to cook it. How to paint the doorposts and the lintel across the top. This is open to anyone in Egypt who would believe. To be spared from this plague, all anyone has to do is take the lamb and paint the blood over the doorposts. It doesn't matter if you're Israelite, if you're Egyptian, if you're a sojourner, a foreigner. It doesn't matter where you're from, who your mama was, who your daddy was. It does not matter if you paint the blood over the doorposts. Then death. And destruction will pass you by. If you fail to do that, even in this judgment, even as awful as it may seem, God provides a way of escape. Even though Egypt deserved this. We talked about what they did to Israel's babies. We talked about how everyone was complicit in this sin. They've earned this judgment. They deserve this judgment. But even in spite of that, the Lord provides a way of escape for anyone who would be covered by that blood. So as heavy as it is, let's turn our attention now to Exodus chapter 12. We'll begin reading in verse 29, Exodus chapter 12. 
As Jake already said for us, you're free to follow along on the screen, a tablet, a phone, your own copy of God's Word. If you don't have one, borrow one from the back of the pew in front of you. If you don't have one at home, keep the one in the back of the pew in front of you. But however you're accessing the Scriptures, I would ask if you're physically able, would you please stand once again out of reverence for the public reading of God's Holy Word. As we look now at Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 29. The word of the Lord says, At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt. For there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks, take your herds as you have said, and be gone and bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened. Their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks and on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them. For they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds, And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt. For it was not leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait. Nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Folks, what happens here is tragic. The loss of human life is always tragic. But it is so tragic, I want you to catch that this is not like sudden infant death syndrome. This is not like you wake up in the morning to the horror and terror of finding that your child has passed in the night and you were unaware. Whatever happens when the destroyer passes by the Egyptian doors or any door that is not covered by the blood, whatever happens is so excruciating and so easy to comprehend 
that it awakens them out of their sleep. It says that Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron by night. Remember in last week, the instructions the Lord said, you'll eat this meal and you'll eat it with your belt on, your sandals on, your staff in your hand. And you're going to eat the lamb at midnight. And you've got to burn up the rest because nothing needs to be left over because you've got somewhere to go. They are going to throw you out. And the Israelites ate it in that manner. But I don't know that the Israelites were thinking that at 1201, Pharaoh would call Moses and Aaron. Whatever happens, there's a scream, there's a sound, there is something that takes place that awakens every single household in Egypt. It says not a household was without someone who had passed. And so everybody's awake. At midnight, 3,000 years ago, and they say, get out. Have you ever pushed somebody to that limit? Have you ever gotten to the point where you've said something inappropriate or you've done something and the person looks at you, maybe you're in their office, maybe an interview goes just absolutely horrible and the employer says, just get out. And you say, well, uh, but can... now leave. Maybe it was a friend and you got in an argument and they said, I think it's best for you to leave now. And they were nice and polite about it. And you said, no, I'm not leaving until we... And they say, get out! And so, after nine plagues, this one comes along. And Pharaoh says, get out. He reverses everything he had said in all of the other nine plagues. Remember, he said, y'all can go, but just your men. Well, y'all can go, but don't take your livestock. Well, y'all can go, but don't take your kids. Pharaoh says, get out. You go. The people of Israel go. Take your livestock with you. Take your children. Take everybody and go. And in one night, they have to prepare for 1.2 million people at least. I think a very fair reserved estimate would be like a million and a half. Because if there's 600,000 men, there's probably an equal number of women so there's your 1.2 million, and there's roughly, you know, maybe 300,000 at least kids. So we're talking about a million and a half people forming up and getting out of the land of Egypt. Folks, there's not a million and a half people in Covington County. I mean, we barely get over a million and a half people in the state of Alabama, all right? I mean, I know we're better. we got more people than that. But, but we're talking about 10-plus. Bryant-Denny Stadium's full. Not COVID-19 Bryant-Denny Stadium full. I'm talking regular, packed, shoulder-to-shoulder. We're talking about numerous stadiums. Where there's Jordan Hare, where there's Bryant-Denny, whatever. We're talking a million and a half people gathering their things. And they go to their neighbor. After all this has happened, I have no idea how, other than a miracle of God, they go to their neighbor and they say, Hey, you got any jewelry you don't want anymore? Hey, you, you got any like gold or silver that you don't want anymore? And the Egyptians are like, yes, fine. Here, here it is. Just leave. Would you just leave? Because at this point, they're afraid. Now their children have died. It got very personal. They knew if the Israelites stayed, it might not be our children next time. It might be us. You better get out of here before the Lord decides to kill all of us. Go. And so they hurry up. And just as the Lord predicted, they ain't got time to put no yeast, no leaven in the bread. 
So they just throw the kneading bowl over their shoulder and off they go and they plunder the Egyptians. 430 years in the making. This moment has been 430 years in the making. That's double how long we've been a country. They've been waiting for their release from slavery. Four hundred. Let that sink in. But in the midst of 430 years of waiting, God delivered on three promises, at least. So I want us to look at the three promises that took 430 years to fulfill, but how the Lord fulfilled every single promise. Everything that happens in the Exodus, everything that happens in them being sent out, is a fulfillment of what the Lord said. And I know you might be thinking, how can the Lord be making promises? We're only on book number two of the Bible. Well, back in Genesis, the Lord made some promises. All the way back to Abraham. The Lord made some promises to Abraham. And there's some partial fulfillments to those promises in what we see right now. The first one has to do with them being blessed upon leaving. He gave them favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Look with me at Genesis 15 14. Genesis 15, 14. As God is describing what will happen, because God predicts to Abraham that your descendants will go into Egypt and have a time of slavery in Egypt, but I will bring them up out of Egypt and I will give them favor and they will have great possessions. Look at verse 14. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. That's Egypt. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. God fulfills a promise that he told Abraham, look, your kids and your grandkids and your great, 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 great grandkids are going to be slaves in Egypt, but it's going to be okay. I'm doing something while they're there and I'm going to bring them up out. And when I bring them up out, I'm going to bring them out, making them wealthier than they ever would have been otherwise. So there's the first promise that God delivers on. The second promise that God delivers on is the promise that they would be a great multiplying nation. Now, this is. This is a partial fulfillment of what he says to Abraham. The complete fulfillment of that there would be multitudes of nations, that there would be multitudes of nations is completely full in Christ and having faith in Jesus. We talked about that this past Wednesday night, that people who are true children of Abraham are the people who have the same faith that Abraham had in God, not the same people who have the same blood as Abraham. So the fullest fulfillment of this promise in Genesis 12:2 is that those who have the same faith as Abraham would be part of the family of God. But he has a partial fulfillment even now. They were no longer the original family of 70 sojourners. We, we're told in Genesis there's only 70 of them that show up. In Egypt, Joseph says, can I bring my family? And Pharaoh says, yeah, we'll give them this great land over here. We'll put them in Goshen because they're, they're herdsmen. And man, that'll be wonderful for them. It'll be perfect. And there's only 70 people. We've grown from Abraham at one all the way to 70 by the time of Israel, Jacob, and his 12 sons, including Joseph. And it's grown from 70 to a million and a half. 
the whole time they are in Egypt, they continue to multiply and grow. In spite of the Egyptians killing all of the baby boys and throwing them in the Nile at one point, they continued to multiply and grow. It's no wonder Pharaoh was afraid of them because they're a million and a half strong. They got 600,000 men of fighting age. And Pharaoh goes, man, if, if somebody ever came to fight against us, These Israelites could join with them and we'd have a real problem on our hands. Instead of thinking, you know, maybe if we continue to love and bless these Israelites, when somebody comes against us, we'll have an army of 600,000 fighting with us. His immediate reaction is fear. Is a sinful fear that this 600,000 mob is going to turn against him. And so, all the persecution begins and continues and intensifies. But what we talked about last week, this is based on faith, not bloodline. Already, there's a multitude that is leaving. God has multiplied Abraham. This is the second promise. They were no longer just 70. There were 600,000 men fleeing Egypt. Genesis 12, 2 on the screen. He will make a great nation out of you. Boy, it's a great start to a nation to have a million and a half people ready to set up camp, to go into the promised land, right? It's a lot different than 70 people. They were protected in the nation of Egypt. Within those borders, God grew them and blessed them even in the midst of their persecution. The third promise, he would make them a great nation, but then I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. The third promise, the nations were being blessed through the seed of Abraham. I want you to look at verse 38 again. Exodus 12, verse 38. Do not miss. This is another evidence that we know it wasn't just the Israelites who painted their doors. There were all sorts of people who trusted in the word of the Lord and believed and took a lamb and sacrificed it and covered their doorposts with blood. Look at verse 38 again. An ethnically diverse crowd also went up with them. A mixed multitude also went up with them. There were Egyptians. There were foreigners who lived in Egypt who had seen the plagues. And their reaction to the plagues was, man, that's the real God. That's the real deal. He turned the river to blood. He made locusts come and then locusts go away. He made hail fall from the sky. He made icebergs fall from the sky. Hail so big nobody had ever seen it before. And instead of being scared and terrified and fighting against God, they said, no, no, no. That's the one true living God. That's the God we want to serve. And when the Israelites were painting the blood on the doorpost and across the lintel, those guys came up and said, those, those people, they said, hey, well, what are you guys doing now? What's about to happen? And the Israelites said, let me tell you what our God's about to do. And these people are like predecessors to Ruth. You remember the story of Ruth, maybe. In Ruth, she goes with her mother-in-law, Naomi. And after all the men in the family die, Naomi says, depart from me. Go find yourself a new husband. Start yourself a new family over here in the country of Moab. And Ruth's sister-in-law, Orpah, says, deuces, I'm out. That's great. Appreciate you freeing me from my bonds. I'm going to go find me a new man, make me a new life. Things are going to be good. Ruth looks at Naomi and says, "Uh -uh. I will not depart from you. Where you go, I go. 
Who your God is, that's who my God will be. Who your people are, that's who my people will be. These are the predecessors to Ruth. They come up to these Israelites, and the Israelites are painting the blood on the door, and they say, our God is about to come and strike the land of Egypt. There will be a destroyer that comes through, and anyone who doesn't have the blood of the perfect lamb over their doorpost will be destroyed. They'll lose their firstborn son. And instead of those sojourners, instead of those Egyptians looking at the Israelites going, <laughs> y'all crazy. I mean, like, I've seen some and heard some crazy stuff, okay? The Nile River being blood, that was pretty wacky, okay? But, like, we got to paint the blood on the door or the destroyer is going to come get us. 99% of Egypt said that. There was a handful of people from a multitude of nations living in the land of Egypt who when they heard that news, they said, where can I find a lamb? I need a perfect lamb without blemish. Where can I find a lamb? And so he blesses other nations even in this. Everything about the Passover points to Jesus. The blood that covered the cross is the blood of the perfect lamb. God made promises And it took hundreds and hundreds of years to deliver on those promises. But God never fails in His promises. He made promises in Genesis that He started fulfilling in Exodus. And it took 430 years. But God fulfilled on those three promises to Abraham. They left and they were wealthy. They started out at 70. They grew to a million and a half people. And they were a blessing to all the other nations that would believe and trust in the perfect Lamb. In the sacrifice who was shed on their behalf. God still delivers on his promises. I I don't know who you are this morning that needs to hear that, but God will deliver on his promises. He is not slow as we account slowness, but he is faithful to deliver on his promises. He promised never to leave and never to forsake. He promised that he would be with us even unto the end of the age. He promised that whosoever calls upon him will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that is a promise you can take to the bank because God never defaults on a loan. God never fails in delivering a promise even from Genesis to Exodus. And folks, there's one more thing that, that we've got to realize and see in this passage. I'm Egypt. Hard for me to stomach. I'm not Israel. When I read this story, I deserve the destroyer. And folks, I, I don't know who you are. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what all you've done. But all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us deserve the destroyer. All of us deserve to be cast into a lake of fire that separates us from God for all eternity because we have violated His perfect standard. There's only one way. There's only one escape. And it's through the perfect Lamb. All of His wrath, all of the destruction was cast onto the perfect Lamb whose blood painted that cross. 
And his promise is that even though you deserve destruction, even though I deserve destruction, that he will pass over me and you if we would believe. Folks, when you read this passage and you catch the heaviness of what is happening to the Egyptians, where's your mind go? Man, that's harsh for the Lord. That is rough. But you know what? Those Egyptians deserved it. I've already said it in this sermon. I've said it in other sermons. Look what they did to the Israelite kids. They deserve this. They earned it. And it's easy for me to stand here thousands of years later and go, I tell you what, if I was there, I'd have got my lamb, I'd have sacrificed it, I'd have believed, I'd have trusted in the Lord, I'd have been right there with him 430 years till the day I died if he didn't show up. I believe in you, Jesus. I'm right here. I know one day you're going to deliver. You made promises to Abraham. You're going to bring them through. I believe. I'm ready. But you know, the likelihood is that I'm, I'm Egypt. At one point in our life, even if you trust in Christ right now, there was a point in your life, there was a point in my life when I was Egypt. I deserved to be cast from God's presence because I'm filthy. The best righteousness that I can come up with, filthy rags. That phrase is used toilet paper. That's the exact Hebrew meaning. Our righteousness is filthy rags. The best we can come up with. I deserve the destroyer. But God took His perfect lamb. And we're not talking about somebody that's got thousands and thousands of lambs. I want you to think of Nathan the prophet standing before David. And he tells this story of this man who had all these lambs and a visitor came over But he went and stole another man's lamb. And this lamb was the only lamb that this man had. And it was like a pet to their family. They loved this lamb. They cherished this lamb. It slept with their children. It was part of the family. And he stole that lamb and killed that lamb and served it to his guests. That's the precious lamb that God offered up for us. His one and only lamb. His one and only Son that He sacrificed so that the destroyer would pass me by. Folks, this morning, have you trusted in Christ and the destroyer will pass you by? It doesn't matter if it's COVID-19 that takes your life, if it's cancer that takes your life. If you get in your car to leave this place and somebody barrels down the road and isn't looking and that takes your life moments after this service is over. It doesn't matter if it's a heart attack, if it's a blood clot, if it's a stroke. It doesn't matter what it is, but there will come a day when we will stand face to face with the Lord, our Creator. And there will be a destroyer that has every right To take us and condemn us to our eternal punishment. But God made a way. There's a way of relief. There's a way of restoration. There's a way of redemption. And it's to trust in Christ. To have His blood cover us. His righteousness like a coat put on over us. So that when God looks at us, He doesn't see my mess and my sin. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. 
Folks, maybe you needed to be reminded of that this morning because times can be really tough right now. Things are very hard. And maybe you're wondering, God, you made promises to me and I've been following you, but when are you going to deliver on your promises? I want you to remember this morning, God delivered on his promise to Abraham. God delivered on his promise to Isaac. God delivered on his promise to Jacob. God delivered on his promise to Joseph. God delivered on every single promise. Over 600 prophecies that had one perfect fulfillment, and it was Jesus the Messiah. And he promises that one day he is coming back, and just like the popular song right now says, he is a way maker. He is a promise keeper, the light in the darkness. And I don't know about you, but this morning it is a good thing to remember that God keeps his promises. But he also promises that if you don't trust in him and you stand before him after this life is over, he'll look at you and he'll say, I have no idea who you are. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. That's a promise. Just like the destroyer came and all the firstborn were taken. There will be a day when we all have to stand before our Lord. And it says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Some willingly, some unwillingly. Some people will hit a knee and they'll say, Oh man, dear God, I was wrong. Don't let that be you. Be in the camp over here where we hit our knees and say, Praise God, you are a promise keeper. You kept your word. I'm free. I'm out of Egypt. There's no more work for me. I'm in the rest. I get heaven. I get paradise because you made a way and you kept a promise. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't have to keep me. You should have killed me, but you redeemed me. You bought me with the blood of your own son. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And while people cry tears and receive their just punishment, we stand and worship the King, all glorious above. And forever we sing of His mercy and His love. It's hard to stomach what happened in Exodus 12. But Egypt deserved it. It may be hard to stomach what happens when we stand before the Lord. But those who don't trust in Jesus, there's no excuse. The only answer, the only way is Jesus. This morning, will you trust in Him to fulfill and deliver on His promise? Will you confess your sin and trust in the Lord? Listen, maybe you've been walking with the Lord for years You've been waiting on God to deliver on a promise from Scripture. And you say, I just I don't think it's happening. And you're about to lose hope. Trust in the Lord. He will deliver. His promises are true. He never fails. Trust in the Lord and wait for the Lord. He delivered for Abraham. He delivered for Moses. He'll deliver for you.
He'll deliver from me.